Studios here in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to another edition of the Other Kind Radio Talk Radio. Today is November twentieth. Uh, I'm trying to throw myself off there and have the wrong date in the uh, notes here. And this is episode seventy-one. Seventy-one times we've uh, made this happen. So there you go. Yay us. Uh, the Other Kind Radio is a weekly podcast in which Todd and Jeff ping pong around all things pop culture and deliver it to you, the kind listener. This week's episode is brought to you by Time. For when it's on your side, it passes by all too quickly. But when times are tough, time slows to a crawl and seems to forget what it was to begin with. But the truth is, time has and always will be keeping that steady pace. The only thing that changes is our perception. There you go. Tidbit of wisdom. Returning kind listeners, welcome back. You know the drill. Grab a seat, sit back, relax, enjoy the show. First-time listeners are congratulated on finding us amongst the plethora of podcasts out there. We thank you so much for seeking us out. As always, we encourage all of our listeners to like, subscribe, the other kind radio, By doing so, you are helping feed the algorithm that keeps the podcast universe spinning and our show in its gravitational pull. This week on Talk Radio, Todd takes on and Jeff's judgment on a duo, if you will, a mixing like oatmeal and brown sugar. Terrible analogy. Disney Plus. Uh, We're also going to travel down to the main center stage and talk about the sequel to the Stanley Kubrick film that everybody knows so well, The Shining, Dr. Sleep. Uh, Let's get things started. Let's go ahead and bring on my podcast partner. He is a family generator, movie maker, guitar and drum player, book author, dive bar, boombox founder, and all-around renaissance man, live from his studio in the great state of Texas and delivering the significance of the number 71. Please welcome Todd. The number 71. You know, that one was the bait of my existence there for a second, Jeff, because um, <laughs> Wikipedia basically decided today to go, hey, the number 71 here, a couple things about mathematics, the rest of it, screw you. Right. But the number 71 is kind of interesting for me. I would have been five years old at the time of 1971. So I always have to judge these numbers based on how old I was for right. whatever significance. You know what I'm not going to do? I am not going to spend a lot of time with the number 71 today as far as what Wikipedia says, except that it is... The atomic number, oh God, of lutetium. Oh yeah, I have no idea what that means, but there we go. You know what I want to say though? 1971, all kinds of cool, interesting things, and some of them tie to what we're going to talk to talk about today. Oh, okay. First off, it was the year that the voting age was lowered to 18. It was the year of Apollo 14. The Soviet Union also found their way to create the first space station. Well, that that bell is really well, on today. I thought about going, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to downplay what the Soviets did. That's kind of a big deal. So, so 
popular musicians james taylor bob dylan tony orlando and don the who ike and tina turner popular tv programmers all my children mary tyler moore the partridge family now we get into probably one of my favorite eras of filmmaking you've got films like fiddler on the roof clockwork orange the french connection and one of my personal favorite uh, personal favorite films peter bogdanovich's the last picture show okay have you never seen that I don't know if I have. I get that movie, and what's the one that Spielberg did where their kids run around in their cars? That would be George Lucas doing American Graffiti? Yeah, American Graffiti, Last Pistol Show, <laughs> the one where the chick is in the swimming pool and shows her boobs. It's a black and white that, that was like That's the Last Picture Show. Okay, there you go. Well, that if, all... if we've not shared that film together, we need to watch that at some point. That is okay. literally, literally one of my I have to watch it about once every year or two kind of films. Sometimes those just smell together. Thank you for that rewind in 1971. Did you have more? I'm sorry. I didn't want to cut you I off. I have one more thing, and this will tie into things. This would be the year that Disney World opened. Oh, okay. I guess they that... had the Disney World Resort. They'd had other things, but according to this, Disney World opened god this is so confusing you could secret oh you could purchase tracts of land they purchased tracts of land in 65 and it finally opened tracks of land wow yeah so there we go we have a disney tie-in that's an actual uh that's an actual recording right there all right thank you for the rewind in 1971 i do like the way this is progressing now where it's kind of kind of like a pop culture rewind of course, once we get to show 100, in the year 100, The Rock was really coming up, and the turnip was the most popular vegetable, and uh, everybody had a pet frog. I will find something significant <laughs> about the number 100, whether that may be some quirky line from some movie, I will find a way to tie it in. Right, exactly. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Todd. How are you doing? Everything going good so far this week? I know we've both been extremely busy. I don't know why my camera is going in and out of focus, so just you'll have to deal with Fuzzy Jeff. I think it's because the background looks a little bit like the universal header, um, <laughs> and it wants to... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> this only goes out of focus uh, when I'm on show, when we're recording or I'm doing a call. All the hours spent in pre-production, everything never fails. Eh, we get on the show, and it freaks out. Yeah, well. Yeah, well. No, everything's good. Everything's good. Just glad to finally be able to uh, jump online and do this again. Yes, we've uh, we've been accumulating followers and subscribers uh, for the last couple of weeks. So uh, we apologize, Todd and I, and the other kind radio apologize for the delay in bringing you this latest episode. However, in the same breath, Todd and I are coming up with a plan, with a master plan to alleviate some of this with a possible new release day of the week for the show that will coincide with our schedules. It's it's amazing when you look at your schedule and go, God, okay, and when am I going to do right. talk earlier this week? What's going on? And then you suddenly go, oh, well, hang on. If I just adjusted my way of thinking, this makes sense. So, And we I are... Exactly. And we are on a tight schedule today as I've got a uh, an important call. So we're recording this in the wee hours of the morning and to those audio files that are out there that may hear little voices or thumps or things going on. That is because the rest of the household is getting up and getting ready for their day. So I apologize. Yes. Little birdies. Actually pretty good. All right. Let's go ahead and see if I program the sound right. No, I didn't. Let's see if I programmed this sound right. No, that's wrong. What about this one? Nope, that's wrong. How about this one? 
There we go. There's the typewriter. Uh, that means it's. <laughs> I like that no matter what we do, you can never fix that. You can never have things in line if you do the show's over. When I do, we're calling it quit. It's like it's like, you know, the the perfect golf game and or the perfect exactly. lap around the track. It's time to hang it up. Um okay, so we're gonna go through it's kind of that used to be headline sound effect, but it's gonna kinda new and new and noteworthy. Real quick, a couple things that I wanted to get Todd's uh feedback on before we get to the joint Todd's take on and Jeff's judgment on. The Game of Thrones prequel uh, was just announced coming to HBO. It's called The House of the Dragon. Go figure. It takes place 300 years before Game of Thrones, tells the story of House Targaryen, and it's not the prequel that was in the works starring Naomi Watts. HBO passed on that, and we have an unknown release date. Todd, your thoughts. Do we need more got? Oh, absolutely. If you're HBO, the biggest thing you're doing is saying, man, that is our juggernaut. Let's find a way to keep this going. The odd thing is, is to create a prequel that, you know, you're always going to do the, the, uh, you're always going to do the pilot episode and see how it works. But yeah. even Game of Thrones, famously, its pilot was a colossal mess when delivered. And and D.B. Weiss and, and Dan Bennett came back and said, we learned a lot because friends watched it. We saw these things. They were like, who's that? What's this? We realized we didn't do formal introductions. We thought they'd read the books, blah, 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 blah. I'm shocked that they scrapped the Naomi Watts thing with a, a star of that caliber. I, I, what I think is that it went too far back in time and Pete, they were kind of like, man, we're kind of talking thousands of years and where's the blonde lady with the dragon, you right. know? And so yes, they need, they need more. Okay. I'm shocked that they're taking their sweet ass time with it because how long until it's gone from the lexicon of pop culture discussion and people don't give a shit. Well, I was talking to the kind listener, uh, Nick, down uh, our friend down there at Pub 134, and I asked him about uh, El Camino, and he was visceral about how disappointed he was and how having that episode come so late after Breaking Bad had gone off the air uh, just left a bad taste in his mouth. And and again, we're all we're all key to our own opinions and everything. But just you're saying that reminded me that I think that, uh, yeah, if, if, if HBO is going to pull this off, they need to start getting things rolling because the, the your audience can tend to forget, you know, if you leave them hanging for long enough. Yeah, and I appreciate those kind of opinions. I, you're right. To each their own. Um, I think in this, I, I don't think that that conversation probably holds much relevance truly when you're a company in the day of content because sure. it's, it is not always about the consumption of content right away. It's think of all the people that come to breaking bad now who've never sure. seen it before. And now it's just a piece of content. Well, it, so, and breaking bad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Breaking bad did have better call Saul, which kind of kept the, True. the universe open. My, my last question on this for you though, I know you said HBO needs it, but what about Todd, the other kind listener, other kind listener, other kind radio host. Do you, are you, do you need more get got? I love Game of Thrones. Okay. I, you know, I, I'm not an apologist for how sloppy the last season was. I can look past some of it and I can see the potential, but that's the same as that. I can look at the Star Wars prequels and go, Hey, there's really, there's an interesting story there. It's just executed horrifically. Okay. So you're ready for some me. Yeah, I, I on. watch it. 
I'll see. I'll see. Okay, let's move on to another thing that was all over the headlines yesterday, and that made me giggle. But, and I don't know if you've seen this or not, um, but uh, it's been announced that Tom Hanks is related to Mr. Rogers. This, of course, is relative to pop culture because um, Tom Hanks is playing Mr. Rogers in his new film that's coming out soon. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood or whatever it is. Um, so here are the facts real quick. Uh, they are sixth, sixth cousins, which means they share a great, 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 great grandfather, Johannes Me- uh, Mefford. I miss that. I miss that name, Johannes. That would have been a good name for me. Jo- Maybe I'll change my name to Johannes. Johannes. I was Johannes. <laughs> um, now, okay. So before I get your initial reaction to that, I do have a question because it, it did poke me in the really rib, which is they must have known this beforehand. And this is part of some just marketing ploy to get more word out there for it. Take it away. It is. You're absolutely right. This is, this has been in the works for a long time. What hits me is that we can all probably trace our ancestry back to just a few individuals somewhere along the way. And we're all so interconnected that give me a break. Come on. That's too convenient. Okay. And, And again, I mean, on the surface, right. If you like vanilla ice cream and you know, you're going to cover it in sprinkles, then I get it. I mean, that's, it is what it is, but I think it's a little bit on the nose to be like, oh my, hey, it just we just found out ancestry.com with the link to the website in the story, yeah, <laughs> has linked these two. Okay, all right. Um, are you still going to go see that film? Yes, I, I I want to. The reviews of it have been like amazingly good. They're saying that it's this odd little quiet film that really is a recitation on the meaning of life that isn't pretentious and you know there was that documentary that came out about uh, mr rogers not too long ago that god that was even right just so poignant that i now you put mr you know mr hollywood everyone loves tom hanks there are very few people that are probably going to look at him and go no he's the perfect cast for casting for it so hell yeah i'm seeing it right now do you need a break yes i do all right we'll be right back on the other kind radio and we're back through the magic of the pause button. Welcome back, Todd. Pause buttons are cool. Pause button are cool. So, uh, okay, so we just talked about Tom Hanks. Oh, and I do want to say one thing real quick because my old man, mine, my old man, mine will forget. I want you to know this, these last couple of weeks have been tough. Got some other stuff going on, but I was just thinking about it when, when you were taking your break. I went up and got some coffee. Thank you so much for doing this show with me because I feel a billion times better. So thank you. Dude. I have said this all along, you know, back in the days when this was only you talking about reviving talk radio. Yeah. I want to do it and I want to do it. And <clears throat> you know, this as my friend that I am, I'm not saying I'm Mr. Positive, but I'm like, okay, you want to do it? Let's do it. Yeah. I don't just sit around and say, I want to do it because eventually that turns into, I wish I'd done it. Right. And right. I don't like, I wish I'd done it. So I regrets that whole thing. Yeah. We all have regrets, mm-hmm. but wish I'd done it to me as there was an opportunity to do it. And I didn't do it. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so, I'm happy to be here with you, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate that. And 71 times later, here we go. All right. Oh, wait, oh, yeah. 71? What? what? Yep. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. Back in the... <laughs> um, okay. So the last uh, quick headline that we've got here is, and I don't know how familiar you are with this video game, but it's very big in the pop culture. Uh, about 10 years ago or so, there was a game that came out called Half-Life. 
and it you know it was it was uh, a very very popular game with the with uh, the the sci-fi group and everything and it, it told a, a very uh, cool story it had a great storyline it was a first person shooter i don't want to get into all that so much as Anytime, and in the past 10 years or so, especially as five years or so, every time a new game is announced, the Half-Lifers, if you will, the people that were really big fans of Half-Life uh, that was uh, um, developed by, uh, I think the developer was uh, Valve, um, would be, so what, you know, about another Star Wars, or so what about another Red Dead? Where's our, you know, Half-Life 3? And uh, so this past week, Valve announced there's going to be a new half-life game and everybody went ballistic. And then they quickly slipped in that it's a VR game and it's called half-life Alex. And so all the memes are like me when I hear their, you know, the valves releasing a new half-life game smile that it's a VR game. And then everybody's bummed out. Cause I guess you're going to need like an $8,000 computer and you know, a lot of hardware just to play this game. So is it not a VR on that, you know, and, Forgive me now. I can't think of what the name of the system is, but uh, Oculus. My other, yeah, my my other podcast partner Sean from Men of the Apes has one of those Oculus things, and I now, despite the fact that I wear glasses and you have to adjust <laughs> it and put it on over, and it's a monstrosity to do. It's pretty cool. I played the Star Wars thing on there, the Darth Vader game, and I'm, I'm pretty impressed with yeah. what that little headset will do. The Oculus is a, a pretty cool uh, system. This is, yeah, this is going to require like you have a pretty hardcore PC in order for the VR to work. So it's not going to be released on Oculus. Is Oculus is kind of their, its, its own um, gotcha. its own platform. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to sneak that in there so we're relevant as far as pop culture. Okay, let's see if I can hear it. Yes, okay, so that was uh, New and Noteworthy, a.k.a. Headlines. Thank you for joining us. Let's move directly into Todd's take on and Jeff's judgment on. I'll start the projector up as a joint effort. Todd, it's your chance to tell us your take on something. What's your take on this week? Well, my take and your judgment... <laughs> intertwine this week as we discuss disney plus we had the launch of the disney plus service just recently and as a star wars freak i've never i've never hidden that from any of the kind listeners i i am impassioned by that film and that series even though i did lose a little punch for it after the last jedi which i will not bemoan again i was super excited to both be able to dig into uh, the mandalorian and to look at all the star wars content on there as I'm looking around, I, you know, the first day, I really did not immediately watch things. I, I started digging through. And I thought, wow, Disney, you know, damn, dudes. I mean, you got a lot of content. This is great. I mean, you, even my kids coming down and having nostalgia for when she was a child. And there's Hannah Montana and Sweet Life and all these things. Of course, she did come back later that week and say, hey, Hannah Montana is not really that good a show. And I was like, <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. Um, but what struck me as interesting right away is the conversation that has now sort of pushed out into the world. And that is about the accountability for the racially insensitive content that Disney, it, look, they're, they're in no ways worse than anyone else of that era. But you had to look at from the 40s, 30s, 40s on, as they, they began to emerge, that a lot of people were racially insensitive towards African-Americans and other people of color. So much so that 
you find that a lot of things such as Dumbo, which has the crows in it, which are, are nothing more than a masked minstrel show, right. has a warning that says may contain outdated cultural depictions. Now, I'm going to stop. I'm going to go right on the side of the conversation right away and say this. I've heard some people come in and say, this needs to be removed. We need to erase it. You cannot erase things like that. You have to keep it. Yes, racial biases are taught. They are not inherently there. That is, I'm sorry, you and our sons are psychologists. We know how cognitive learning goes. You, you give this, there's enough reinforcement. That's what you become. Here's where I actually have a problem with Disney. We're Song of the South. Song of the South should be there. And then I start, you know, it's so funny because then one of my favorite podcasts, which is called You Must Remember This, which sort of tells the stories of Hollywood by Gone, is doing what she calls Six Degrees of Song of the South, where she actually tells what it was and the impact it had on Hollywood. Right. I began to think right away, you know what? Okay, Disney, fine. You don't want to put on Disney Plus. Why don't you turn to Criterion Collection, which Criterion makes the absolute great journals of film history they don't just you don't just buy Fellini's eight and a half you buy Fellini's eight and a half with a huge dissection of what that film means how it was done the significance what it's and blah 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 we need to have more from Disney plus we need to have them step up and whether that is again that they make a, a criterion channel within the Disney plus app I that I have no problems with the fact that the service went down the first day I have no problems honestly with that the scan on the the Simpsons was wrong as long as they fix it. I have a problem with them deciding that they're going to erase history. That is that that is very well put. And and I do I do see it just standing on the sidelines, seeing that you know, both what they're trying to do and of course what the right thing is to do. And it and it is an interesting time that we live in in that uh, they're having to think about that. Real quick, uh, you did mention uh, the rough start. Um, the first week or so, uh, their database got hacked and thousands of thousands of accounts are being sold on the dark web. Um, well, I hadn't heard that one. Yeah. I haven't received anything from them saying change password or anything. Of course, Disney's kind of keeping it on, on the DL. Um, I, check I, that. I will, uh, I will, uh, tell you, I was excited to see that if you are a Verizon unlimited customer, such such as myself, you get a year free. So I this was going to be a point of contention. I'm I am tired of all of the streaming, and there's even some memes going around the web as far as people holding up cardboard signs, cardboard signs that say no more streaming services because there's it's getting out of control. But when I found out that it was free, of course I immediately logged in, and we could uh, we could go on and on about the Mandalorian. I think we'll we'll save a, an episode for that because it is so sweet and it is so good and it is just so many things. Thank you, John Favreau, uh, for taking over that. Um, there is lots of content. Um, I don't know after the first year whether it'll be a, a subscription for me, um, but they did change some aspect ratios with uh, The Simpsons, which cut out some of the humor. The one that sticks out in my mind most... Uh, most for the kind listener is there's an episode I guess where they go to the Duff Brewery and they have like Duff Duff Light and then Duff Ultimate and if you look at the top portion of the frame you see that all of those vats are being filled with the same uh, beer. All the beer is the same. Yeah, so they're coming with you know and that's that's funny. Um, so I guess with the Disney release. That portion of it was cut out so nobody could kind of get it. So there, there have been 
they're but they did come back and say that they are by the first of the year going yeah. to rescan them. And of course, this is where this is where I get into co- the the conversation that just gives me absolute tired head. They said that we're going to by by the first of the year have rescanned the first 23 seasons and there were people saying yes but you've left out other ones i'm like oh my god right that's a lot of content to get scanned make sure it's there the thing that bugged me more about it jeff i i love the simpsons but i haven't watched it forever i if you go watch some of those episodes it's so over scanned that it's almost hard to watch because it's jittery it doesn't hold up within the frame yeah it does seem like they kind of put their uh their template on it and just scanned it the, in, in, in addition to your, your comment about their, their, you know, I, I, I do like the idea that they're putting something up that says that this episode may contain, you know, educate the listener, but here's what the problem I have. And it kind of is tied into George Lucas, which is, I mean, if you're going to buy all that content, my gut feeling is just leave it what it is. If it's if it's in three four aspect ratio, leave it in three four aspect ratio. If there weren't a bunch of stormtroopers standing around chewing bubble gum when Obi Wan Kenobi said this aren't the droids you're looking for, don't go back and add them in. I think it's one thing to buy a collection, and it's another to go in and then change, rescan, or omit episodes just because, uh, as the owner now, you feel that it may be something that you a don't agree with or feel like isn't appropriate. I mean, one thing that I thought of when you were saying about the the criterion collection and everything, you could have a Disney section where the users can choose whether or not they want to see that content that may be contain old racial bias stereotypes. stereotypes. Yeah. And, and, and as the adult of the household or whatever you can say, yeah, I have no problem with that. Or if you're from the, background where that bothers you and, and you don't want a part of it, then you can say no and then it's gone. But give the customer the 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 option, the choice. I think that's a great suggestion because you know I want to go back to I, I am not in any way saying change that content. I'm right. I, I kind of like that they put this contains yeah, this. Yeah. You're forewarned you're gonna go in there. If what bothered me and I never saw it, Tim Burton's live action version of it removed the crows now i understand why today they're not going to release something with a minstrel show in the middle of it however there should have been almost some commentary within the film about you you guys you can't act like that you know there needs to be we cannot run from history we cannot run from these type of things if anything i've said before how i take my kid to see things so that i have the opportunity to to talk to her about it you 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 put kids in this situation with a parent if you do what you do, because, you know, I, on Netflix and HBO, it'll even ask you, do you want this kind of, is this a child's account? Is this whatever? Give me the option that says, would you like the channel where we discuss about these kind of things? I can take it out of my kids. So all they see is Hannah Montana, but in mine, I can see your programming about Song of the South because as a film fanatic, I want to see that film. I want to talk about it. I want to know what they've done to change since then. Don't just tell me it never existed. Absolutely. And 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 even stepping back from from some of the, the racial aspect of it, uh, you reminded me of the time that I decided that it was appropriate to show uh, Luke and Max Airplane. And that's Ooh. a that's a movie that's not rated R. It's I think it's rated PG. I think it's mm-hmm. it came out before it was PG thirteen. And you know, I'm I'm like, yeah, this is fine. Well, you know, not only is there a, a, a frames of, of boobs, there's also that whole bit about the pilot asking a young boy, you know, if he's ever seen a grown man naked and if he right. likes gladiator movies. <laughs> Funny back then, nowadays it's like, oh, 
And I was just like, I was like, whoa, that was, you know, so not only is it the, the racial stuff that could be really sensitive too, but I mean, basically that's a pedophilia joke about this. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's obviously now would not fly and, and. I guess. Well, let's look at let's look at other movies. What about Blazing Saddles? Are we going to remove oh, yeah. Saddles? Right. When you talk about it, really on its surface, you're like, they just said what? But that's classic Mel Brooks mm-hmm. saying, "Here's the hypocrisy of this whole conversation." Yes. you know, let's do this and this and this. And there's a lot of elements to that. You can't erase those kind of things. You can take a revisionist eye at it and have introductions from Mel Brooks where he says, listen, I want to tell you where this came from because in this time and racial stuff like this, I felt like we needed to just put it out there how hypocritical it was that we were all acting like this. Right. So Hollywood, please stop. I, I understand we need to correct things. I understand the correct way to do it is to treat all people equal and whatnot, but we cannot look back upon what we've done and say it did not exist. Well said. Well said. And we want to invite you, the kind listener, to give us your opinions on these following topics, whether it's the uh, Tom Hanks uh, being related to Mr. Rogers or the Got prequel that's coming out. You can always reach us at info at the other kind radio. That's info at the other kind radio dot com. Uh, the mailbox is open and ready to take your thoughts. All right. Moving right along, since we're on a bit of a schedule and we want to save enough time to talk about our center stage item which is the um, the uh, sequel, I'm going to say prequel, sequel to one of the most well-known films out there, especially done, um, because it was directed by, oh gosh, I'm going to forget his name. I want to say Sigourney Weaver. I'm just going to start being honest with a kind listener. That's I'm like, and the director is, my brain went, Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> Sigourney Weaver. I'm trying there to we think go. if she never even directed anything. Now, now it's saying Martin Landau. This is how this is what it's like to live in in Jeff's brain. So your brain goes for leaps from Sigourney Weaver to Martin Landau. Right now, if you can imagine a control room with a bunch of people in it with a bunch of buttons and stuff, it is on fire and they ah! <laughs> people are screaming and they don't know what to say. Now I'm getting Stanis Tagurski, and that's not right either. I don't even know who Stanis Tagurski is. <laughs> Is that your your, your final? Your state is that my final answer? No, Come it's on, they're going back is. to Martin Landau now for some reason. It's uh, Isaac Asimov. No, tell me, please. Nineteen eighties, The Shining was di- directed by Isaac Asimov. I'm kidding. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. Right. Thank you. Uh, so with the tale of the tape, we both have uh, been able to view the film and are here. We have not discussed this previously, kind listener. This is the first time we didn't even text or give any indication of what our thoughts were on the film. Uh, it is the sequel to The Shining. And uh, with the tale of the tape, here is Todd. So this is Dr. Sleep, based upon the novel of the same name by Stephen King, a sequel to his own book. It tells the story that years following the events of The Shining and now adult Dan Torrance, who was the little boy from the, the uh, first story, must protect a young girl with similar powers from a cult known as the True Knot, who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. So it's basically the, the Shining, you know, even if you think about it in The Shining was called The Shining because the one character tells Danny, I called our powers The Shining. You can get how the nomenclature without throughout the world, it isn't just the shining. So they call those people call it steam. And it's a power that once they kill the person, it kind of releases it. And so it's it's a weird little vampire tale um based around ideas of the shining. It is directed by Mike Flanagan, who 
I have gone on and on about because he was the director of Netflix's The Haunting of Hill House, which I absolutely adored. He has done some other great work, Gerald's Game on there as well, a film that I still want to see called Hush. I've just never had the chance to watch it. I, I hear wonderful things about it. You the Hush. Start- what? Huh? You Hush. What? Will you tell me to Hush? What? No, never mind. Go ahead. Uh, doing, doing a show with you is like being with a child. Um, this stars Ewan McGregor, Rebecca Ferguson, and Kylie Coran. I should start so, getting some music that when I do that, we could just play it. And it's like the little thing that's over the baby's crib that plays them. Anyway. Um, if you ever a kind listener here, <laughs> just a squeak after Jeff says something like that, it's because I've slammed the arm down that holds right. my microphone. And I've just walked away. <laughs> that was wrong of me to interrupt you. So I, oh, I was not as familiar with Mike Flanagan as, as you were, as far as it, um, before we get into our first impressions of the theater of the movie, I want to hear about your theater experience. We'd like to bring the kind listener in, uh, and let them picture, uh, what kind of experience we had. So you went to see it and did, what did you have to eat? Well, let me say this. I went late at night. Uh, I was going to go early in the morning, but you know, it, it is what it is. And I'd sworn as someone in my fifties, I wasn't going to do the late night movie anymore, but I surprisingly stayed awake throughout. Um, so I went, my daughter accompanied, accompanied me to the movie. She's never seen the shining. And I told her a little bit about it. And this is where I'll pull, pull back the curtain and say, I'm not a fan of the film, the shining. I think it's a one note kind of never stops. I, I, there's a lot of great stuff about it. I just don't think it's as great as everybody says. I, I don't sure. think it's Kubrick's best film at all. Um, we went, uh, I think I just did my standard popcorn and a Diet Coke. Yeah, that's for sure. Cause I, what I have in my mind more is that Abby decided to be a teenager and go in her pajamas, which I still kind of look at. It and I'm like, you're in your pajamas at the movies. And she had a big blanket wrapped around her. But we settled into our seats. Um, the only thing I want to criticize about theaters Theaters here, I get why you sort of put the a little wall up between the raised stadium seating. You need to sit in the seat yourself and look when I lean back, does the bottom of that rail get in the way of the picture? Right. And it does. At Cinemark Theaters, hey, you need to lower those rails by about three inches so that it sits below the bottom crest of the picture. That means they never went through and actually tried it out. Exactly. How about you? Thank you. My experience was a little bit different. I went early uh, due to schedule, and I was the only one in the theater. Oh. Which you know how I feel about scary films. And this is kind of more my style of scary film. There are very few jump takes or whatever you want to call them. Um, More eerie than it is scary. Right. And I can do eerie. But (laughs) watching it by myself in the theater, um, I found myself possibly catching some movement out of the corner of my eye and then <laughs> and then st- staring at, at the back of the seat in the dim light with my old eyes going, what is that? And then, you know, just like uh, Eddie Murphy did that great routine about when you're a kid and you're scared in your room and you're looking at your chair trying to figure out what it is. If you look long enough, the chair will go, hey, man, how you doing? And I just kept waiting for that chair to, like, turn around and say, dude, are you going to watch the movie or are you going to watch the chair? Come on. Um, I had my usual, I had, uh, nachos with cheese and jalapenos and a mellow yellow, uh, to wash it down with. Very healthy, very healthy here on the other kind radio. Um, okay. So let's get into the film. Um, a mellow yellow. Is that like a Sprite? Oh, I guess. Yeah. Mellow yellow is more of a Midwestern thing. Mellow yellow is like a mountain dew. 
Ooh, okay. I love Mountain Dew. So. Do you really? Oh, yeah. It's... Things I learn about you after all these years. <laughs> I know. I know. You have to keep some secrets. Got to keep it interesting. Um, all right. So let's get into the film. So basically, this film takes place um, um, with, a, with the adult Danny, who was the one who... Uh, kind of could shine and was kind of trapped in the in the in the uh, hotel. Um, one thing I wanted to say off this bat, you know, I don't know anything about Ewan McGregor who plays Danny, uh, what his personal life or anything. But I'm telling you something, Todd. At the beginning of this film, he looks awful, and I just, I you know, I know he's a movie star, I know he's a multimillionaire, but he really should take care of himself because you know what? It isn't until about halfway through the film that he actually starts looking human. And so I just I just think we should make note of that, that I think that movie actors should take care of themselves, okay? Okay, so Jeff is being both funny and reductionist Jeff all in one. So the character of Danny begins the story in the absolute throes of alcoholism. The, the elements of The Shining have continued to haunt him so much so that for years afterwards, he remains silent. Now, the movie kind of pushes it down more to just when he was a little boy. The book, when you read it, that it's a little bit longer that he stays silent, but he's, he basically stays within himself. He turns to alcoholism, which I'd never thought about when I read the book. But like I said, the 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 true knot are kind of like vampires. Well, Danny, in his own way, is living off of another force of life, and that's the alcoholism that allows him to get by. So they're both kind of in the same place, which is always interesting when you take your protagonist and your villain, and they're really kind of going for the same thing, and they meet in the middle. Um, that, that I think that's at least that sort of sets up the beginning of right. the story. And thank you for catching on to that. Cause when I was watching it, I was thinking about doing that bit and I was like, I think Todd will catch on if I say that. Um, so they do, they do start out with, with you and McGregor, you know, in kind of a rough place. I thought they set that up really well. I do want to stop down for a second real quick here and tell the kind listener that I don't know if this movie is considered a spoiler esque movie, but we are going to talk about certain elements. So if you haven't seen the film and you're worried about it being room, hit pause on your podcast right now and then join us back after you've seen it. And then we can continue the discussion. Um, By the way, before you hit pause, everybody dies. Go ahead, Jeff. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And what happened to Ewan's force powers? I mean, he could have used those in the, anyway. Um, Seriously, just call it the force. Quit calling it the shining. It's the same thing. (laughs) Right. Um, I thought they did a good job uh, in the beginning of the film trying to get us up to speed as far as what he had gone through. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you about is in The Shining, uh, the character played by Scatman Crothers gets an axe in his chest and dies. Now, as I understand it in the book written by Stephen King, that does not happen. So there are scenes in this film where he and that character are having conversation. Are they all shining conversations, or are they actually happening IRL? So one of the things that Mike Flanagan did when he signed on to this, and Stephen King really liked the choice of Mike Flanagan. You know, Stephen King is, is... he, he allows a lot of people to work on his content. He'll even allow film students to make films of his short stuff for a buck because he wants to give people a shot. But when it comes to something like this, he doesn't really get in there and discriminate against it. But Mike Flanagan, he had loved The Haunting of Hill House, loved it, thought his execution of it was great. Those of us that love scary stories, we can all look at that and go, really well done. Mike Flanagan then kind of uses that to his benefit and goes to him and said, listen, I want to say something. I, you know, Stephen King famously despises the Kubrick version of The Shining. Right. 
And it's much for the same reason that I kind of said, if you read the book of The Shining, Jack Torrance, who is Jack Nicholson's character, begins more on a mellow place. You find out that he's he's an alcoholic. He even he had abused Danny at points when he was really in the throes of alcoholism. He's cleaned himself up. And the, going to the Overlook Hotel is supposed to be something for him working on the book. I'm trying to get my life back together, yet the place pulls him back down. Right. And what King said is, no, we just started with Jack going, yes, I'd like to go. You know, and it's it's wrong. Right. But what Mike Flanagan said was, however, more people, let's be honest, think of Kubrick's film than they do your book. And there are so many visual cues that are correct. There's so many things that that's what they think. So in the film, and, and I know that was a really long way around to answer this question, but in the film, the Scatman Crothers character to me, it is all supposed to be the shining. You know, they are almost talking through the force. They're, they're doing that kind of thing. You know, Flanagan went in and said, we've got to visually be tied to it. We've got to hire someone that looks like Scatman Crothers. And most people, if you come in and go, wait, he ain't dead. They're going to go, wait, but he died at the end of that movie. That, you know, that would be right. a huge jarring thing. And I actually thought kind of the way he did it, where at first you're like, well, isn't he dead? Yeah. And then you kind of get into it. Oh, it's The Shining. I thought it was a pretty smart way to kind of bridge that gap. I agree with you, because in a lot of ways, you're kind of undoing the Luke, um, you know, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. Right. And then having to go, well, okay, that was the, the, the filmmaker's decision, Stanley Kubrick's decision, and not the decision of the book. So I thought they did a good job there to kind of bring him back in so it wasn't like that. One other thing I wanted to mention real quick, too. So we have Ewan McGregor, uh, who is old Danny, uh, kind of meandering around with his alcoholism. He's trying to get himself cleaned up. Um, and he goes and interviews for a job. Did you notice the office that they interviewed the job? I did. The office where he goes to interview is an exact, it's it's either the same location or an exact reproduction of the office where Jack goes to interview to get the Overlook Hotel thing in the first film. And I literally, I set up as like, hey, 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 yeah. you know, I didn't want to disturb anybody. But yes, that was very cool. And that's one thing that this film does really well that I want to call out is... I mean, they're treading on some some sacred ground here. Not now, even if you don't like Stan, Stanley Kubrick's uh, film uh, version of the film or the story, there are some iconic scenes and uh, both Absolutely. sights, sounds, and textures that you get from that film. And one of the things they did really well in this was they they give you just little bites of of, of cookie, warm chocolate chip cookie throughout the film, and calling back to some of those moments, but without beating you over the head. And I thought it was I thought it was really well done. Well, even to the point that the film begins, I, I'd have to look up who did the score for the original film, but it begins with the very classic, bow, 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 which is a really cruddy 1980s synthesizer doing it. But it is right away, I am in the Shining's world. And I, Mike Flanagan made some amazing choices of how to do what you just said how to offer the morsels, the chocolate chip cookies that make you go, okay, I'm in this world with you. By the way, I just want to take a moment to say that this episode of The Other Kind Radio is brought to you by Cruddy's 80s Sound Keyboards. If you're from the 80s and you like Cruddy Sounds, buy a Cruddy Sound Keyboard. All right, back to the show. God, you're a smart ass. <laughs> no, I like, I, like, I like, wouldn't that be good? Cruddy, K-R-U-U-D-D-Y, Cruddy. Man, this sounds cruddy. It does, doesn't it? It's so good. Um, <laughs> That's a classic cruddy. So we, we go a little further into the story, and now because Danny's clean, his his force powers are coming back, and he begins to shine with a younger girl. While this is happening, we learn a little bit more about the 
the true knot. Uh, they're running out of souls to suck on to have their power and be immortal. And through their own, it's very Star Wars esque. It is, yeah. So basically, the leader of the of the True Knot, aka Darth Vader, senses a disturbance in the Shining, aka the Force, and they know they need to go find this little girl and kill her so they can have enough Force powers for everybody. So that main character you're talking about, the Darth Vader, of this is a character called Rose the Hat, and. I, I try not to be a typical man when I'm watching a, a, a movie and go, wow, she's good looking. But that was the first thing when I'm watching. I'm like, okay, I, I yes, I read the book year, two years ago. I don't remember Rosa Hat being stinking hot, <laughs> but then I did go back and find, I had to look online for a description of Rosa Hat from the book. And one of the people describes her as the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. Uh-huh. Now that may be in the throes of her vampirish control over them. But this is played by Rebecca Ferguson. I had to look her up. Both Abby and I, after watching, we're like, why do we know that woman? Well, she was in The Greatest Showman. She's done a lot of work that you may have seen before. She's a very good, I believe, sweet. uh, Hang on. Here it is. Yeah, she was born in Stockholm, Sweden. But she has a lot of Irish descent, etc. She's a very interesting actress. And she brings something to this that I didn't quite expect to see there. I mean, you she really has the twist of, of playing the villain very nicely without just taking the scenery and going. Ang, 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 ang. She's she's really really good in this role. That's what that's well said. Yeah, she she plays a good evil character. Um, and and again in this film, I never I never felt it was forced. I do have I do have a hot film opinion to share with okay. you when we get to our, our conclusions. But we'll move forward. So then, obviously, this means you and McGregor's got to got to team up with the young girl that uh, who actually did a very good job acting. I don't know if you have her name handy, uh, playing the young teenager. Yes, um, that is Kylie, and I, I may mispronounce her name, Kay- Kylie Coran. She did a great job because uh, she had to play some some different. There's one point where I guess you and McGregor is kind of possessing her, and so she has to talk like you and McGregor, not with an accent or anything, but with an adult facial expressions. And I thought she did well. So, and by the way, she's only 13, and as of shooting this film, that was only her second role. Wow. Wow. Yeah, she she's really really solid in this film. We'll keep an eye out for her. Um, so then we progress, and obviously, good versus evil. There's going to be a battle. But where I want to get into before we get into our final thoughts here of the film is all roads lead back to the Overlook Hotel. Right. And I'm, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts were, as I'm sure many people who were big Shining fans wanted to know what the condition of the hotel was and then kind of get to go on a little mini tour back in time and and see what the overlook's up to now so i know you know what's going on so let's let them know well so the film does really build itself you know we're going to go back to the overlook you you just it if if you don't go there it's wrong however it almost that is the one thing about the story both in the novel and the movie that i felt was that it was a bit of an albatross around the story's neck that you know where it's going now when you you can know famously where stuff is going in stories, you know, you, look, you've referenced Star Wars throughout this that you know they're gonna have to do something to get rid of the Death Star, right? 
you just got to do something interesting with it. So at the end, the interesting thing is that Luke trusts his self and turns to the force and uses it to blow up. That's the interesting part. So what are they going to do here? That's interesting. Well, Danny's run from the overlook hotel because of the powers of the, the, the ghost. Now we find out that they're almost like the same type thing. They've been haunting him. They take things away. The Scatman Crother character has helped him on how to deal with that. What's he going to do when he gets there? I, even when I read the book, I thought, well, yeah, you know, it's fun. And I, I thought, I don't know that I think that's necessary. I don't know that I think they had to do that. You know, I, now, as a film person, man, what a fun ride when you look and they beautifully recreated the sets. Yeah. Everything looks just like it. We get we get nods to everything. We get nods to Danny riding the uh, tricycle past the room that lures him in. We get shots of where the typewriter was. We get the elevators. We get all the visual references from Stanley Kubrick that we need. Um, I, I actually have probably the most fun when he goes back to the ballroom. Yes. And they recreate the moment just like with his father uh, sitting at the bar. And, and I don't want to spoil too much of anything, but they do a pretty interesting job of at least casting, casting actors that are reminiscent of Shelley Duvall and Jack Nicholson to bring them back. I agree with you on that, and that was something I'm, I kind of want to talk about. We've given the uh, we've given the warning about spoilers, but I mean, I thought they did a good job. I mean, you can't have this story without who's running the bar now, because that right. ties it all together. It shows what happened to uh, Jack Torrance after he got uh, super cold out in the maze. Um, and I I agree. I think the shot went. I I, I thought the way it was shot and pro, and produced was very good. I even like that they didn't try to make the guy sound like Jack. Yeah, I thought the same thing. There were moments where you could hear him just almost very do it slightly and come yeah. out of it, and I thought that's and, and, and I thought even the the young lady that played the Shelley Duvall character she she almost sounded as shrill yeah. every once in a while, but pulled it back. Um, and, 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 and if I remember correctly, the book in the book, the the ending of the hotel is the same way of the of the second book. Right. In the in the first book, don't they mess with the broilers and and make it uh, do what it did? Yes. yes. And I'm trying. The funny thing is, I as we're going through this and I should have done a little bit more research. I'm trying to remember the difference between the two. But that is the you know, that's the conceit to where once again, you kind of have to blur the lines between yeah. what happens in Stephen King's books and the movies because they have changed it. But you know, how many movies actually do change it? And sometimes it's even Stephen King with some of his work has come back. Uh, Shawshank Redemption does not end the way that it does in the movie. And he has come back and said, the ending is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I get it. And, and you know, if you really want to hold those up too, and point for point, you can poke all, poke all kinds of holes. However, I can't help but notice you got another Star Wars tie here because in the first uh, Star Wars, I guess episode four, where they blow up the Death Star, and then in Empire Strikes Back, guess what? Or I guess it's Return of the Jedi. Guess what? It's back, but it's yeah. blown up. Which again, the, the hotel's not in a very good uh, condition. So. Um, I will I will go first and then and then we'll give it to you for your final thoughts because my big uh, film opinion, my hot film opinion is this. I think this sequel would have been better uh, representative and uh, represented and done if it had been an eight part series on Netflix. Todd, go ahead. 
Rip it apart. Huh. I had not considered that at all. And, I, and while you're thinking, I'll just tell you the reason why I that popped into my head during the film was with the character development and all the things that everybody was going through, I could easily see the first two episodes focused on Danny and how he's trying to get his, his world together. Um, then the next two episodes forming, um, being of the, uh, the not the true knot and the young African-American girl uh, with her shining abilities. Then the next two episodes being how they're merging together. And then the final two episodes being a, being the, the conclusion. Now, I may be overthinking it, but I think I would have liked some of the pacing that was done in the movie. I think could have been done if they have uh, done it over series. And I, and, and I don't think that's too crazy of an opinion to have these days because, I mean, there are a lot of different ones doing it. But I wanted to impress you with that, at least hope to impress you with that, at least was thinking that way. So I, I don't think that's a, st- a crazy, stupid idea at all. I think it's an interesting one, especially because the last Stephen King book I read was one of his newer ones called the outsider and that's been turned into a mini series on hbo with jason bateman and it looks fantastic um is that out now no it i don't know when that hits It'll but i just saw i was watching watchmen the other day and a trailer for it came on i was like oh we're gonna talk really about watchmen that. sometime too yeah um i i i don't have any problem with the pacing of the film I, my overall opinion is I look at it and I, I really, I enjoyed it. Abby turned to me right away and she really liked it. She'd never seen the yeah. shining, but we'd talked about what to expect and the, the kind of visual references. Cause I knew that Flanagan was really going to point to that. She really liked it. I liked it and I will probably even purchase it because I'm going to want to watch videos on how they recreated stuff. I want to go back and watch and go, Ooh, look at that. Even the shot composition of correct. Yada, yada. Um, the the funny thing is I don't know that I have an overall opinion on what you said, nor do I have an overall problem with the film at all. I'd give it about an eight out of 10. I don't think it's fantastic. I think it's really solid. And by the way, do you want to take a guess who played Jack Torrance's character in the film? Jack Nicholson's sixth cousin, which is also related to Mr. Rogers. Wow. That's really close. Um, <laughs> but no, so I'm flipping through here, and I'd, I'd even thought, I thought, oh, they, they found some dude that kind of looks like Jack a little bit, right? Well, as I said, Mike Flanagan had made The Haunting of Hill House, and Henry Thomas of E.T. was one of the stars of that. That is Henry Thomas. That is Elliot from E.T. that is playing him. Yep. What? Yeah, I just looked here. I'm scrolling down, and it says, rest of cast listed alphabetically, Henry Thomas, Jack Torrance. I was wondering why when they shot the bar scene... You know, Jack Torrance put his finger up and said, everything will be okay. Oh, God, there it is. There it is. I knew. I knew if I tossed that little nugget at, he would somehow reduce it. Right. Well, it's not reduction. It's an attempt at uh, comedy. But that's awesome. That's fantastic. And I guess the, the side shots, yeah, I never get to see his whole face. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't have recognized him. Wow. I'm I'm ho- I'm sitting here flipping through his picks on IMDb, hoping that they would have one, but there literally is not a shot. So they, they definitely kind of withheld that that was him. That's awesome. I, and I, again, I'm sure if we saw him, you know, with a shot straight on his face, uh, would have uh, would have recognized him. Well done. Look yeah, at that. And and again, there are so many moments in the film that just if you're a, if you love that film, it does not. It does not crap upon 
Kubrick's version. And, you no. know, the, I'm sure that King, they, they remade it into a miniseries and King was very adamant about how they needed to stick closer to it. And I don't like that version, but it's better. I, I, I like the story better, but eh, the production of it's not that great. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's sitting about a seven and a half or an eight. I didn't find myself at any time, you know, regretting the choice to go see it in the theater. I would recommend it to the kind listener to go see it in the theater for the reason that you do get to see the Overlook Hotel and its its, its whole grandness uh, on a big screen. Of course, uh, I know screens are getting bigger at home. Um, and and you know, I was I was fortunate that I think if I would have had somebody sit next to me eating popcorn or making noise, it would have distracted and probably toned down the movie a little bit for me. But um, kudos. I, I, I think they did a good job. I think anytime you do a sequel to a film that has the prestige that something like The Shining and Stanley Kubrick does, th- therein lies some some risk. And, and I'm sure from the both the production aspect and then the, the financials behind it, you're worried about how it's going to turn out. But um, kind of like what you were touching on earlier, I'm glad they pulled the trigger and did it and just said, look, you know, let's just do it and get it out there because it tells an interesting story. Ewan McGregor carries the character very well. Um, and there wasn't any part of it that really, you know, left me, um, you know, detached or, or feeling like they had, they had <laughs> minimized, um, anything from the original story. I, I think, it, I think it's really good. Yeah. I, I, I find Mike Flanagan to be a very interesting filmmaker. I I know that he's going to continue on The Haunting of Hill House as an anthology series, and uh, it's going to be The Haunting of Bly House, which is a, a faint, and I may have misquoted how that title actually works, but he, he's going to continue to do that, and he, even to the extent that he's going to reuse a lot of the same cast on that show just in different roles. I find that kind of that very interesting. He's one of those that understands that mood is often as important as lurching scares. Right. I, I think the mood of the film is spot on. I, there is a sense of dread that pervades it. I think that there's really, really a good effort here. I just, it's one of those that sometimes when you get into these kind of sequels, is it necessary is my feeling. Right. You know, I don't know that we had to revisit these characters. However, I understand why. King wanted to because the the idea of a child growing up after a traumatic event is a pretty interesting thing to tackle as a writer. So yeah. I can't fault it any way around. I did I didn't love the the book. I didn't love the movie, but I kind of liked both. Right. Well said. Kind of I'm reading up on you know how films are doing, and everybody seems to be shocked that Charlie's Angels is not being a huge box office smash, and that kind of goes along with the same question: do we do we need that? Yeah. All right, I so, think that's what we got to get to is just start asking, do we really need do that? Do we really need that? Yeah, and the part of that's old man Jeff and old man Todd, too, kind of. Because, <laughs> you know, of course, in our, when you're young, you're like, yeah, give me 15 Star Wars movies. And now living through a bunch of them, like, eh, maybe not. Maybe not that many. Right. Uh, so let's uh, let's clue the the kind listener. We've got a holiday coming up. I know that we're going. We're in talks right now. Todd and I are trying to plan it out. Where I think the new episodes will start to drop on Friday, which I think that's fun day Friday. What better way to bring in the weekend by listening to a little of the other kind radio? Um, what do you think? Do you think we're going to be able to do one? Are you going out of town for Thanksgiving? And happy Thanksgiving to the kind listener. In case we don't get to talk to you before then, do you want to try to do it a week from Friday? Yeah, let's let's try. I I know that yes, we'll go up 
just about 60 miles north of here for a little family get together. But I'll be back on Friday morning. The girls will be asleep. Let's go for it. Okay. So Friday morning, you'll hear back from, from Todd and Jeff. And I do want to send out a special thank you to the kind listener uh, for, for hanging with us. I know uh, for a while there, we were up on uh, every Sunday, but we're uh, working through rec- work schedule and a couple things to keep things going. So we do appreciate you being patient. And uh, I'll turn it over to Todd for final thoughts, and then we'll say goodbye. You know, my final thought is this. I love when we get to do horror movies, I love the image in my mind of thinking of Jeff looking over his shoulder because he gets ooky spookied out and he can't handle it. I I also love that my 16 year old child, while she did kind of curl up next to me, handled it probably a little bit better than Jeff did. Well, I'm sure she did. (laughs) That's not the sounder we need, Jeff. Where's the one we need? That's not the one we need either. I don't think I loaded the right one. So let's just do this and we'll talk for a little bit. So, um, oh, uh, real quick while we're waiting for that to queue up, I want to thank some of the other followers that are brand new to us on SoundCloud. I want to thank uh, Axel Knox, uh, Colorful Melody, Big Tunes. Nope, it's still sticking with the part that I want to play yet. Big Tunes, WSDT, Chill District, Pro Music, Alex's Stream, uh, Fred Jones, Music Hunters. Sweet vibes. Some of the uh, new other kind radio followers on SoundCloud. That's going to do it for this week's show. Make sure you check us out uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. And if you have any hot film opinions, feel free to email us. Info at theotherkindradio.com. I-N-F-O at theotherkindradio.com. For Todd, myself, thank you for joining us. We'll see you a week from Friday. Remember, we are The Other Kind Radio. The other kind of radio. The other kind of radio.